Code Yellow. Leather. Alright, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I am here with John Downing. And we're here to give you a quick roundup of the last couple weeks in sports. Johnny! How you doing, man? Good, how you doing? It's the big 3-0. Do you have your 30? Oh, of course I've got my 30. All right. You're you're excited. You're ready to get going on it. Like You know what, who my 30 is? Fuck the pleasantries. You're ready to give it to me. Well, we got a lot of crap to get to. You doing uh, Steph Curry? Yeah, I'm doing Steph. All right, get on with it, I guess. All right, here we go. Wardell Stephen Curry II. Wait, his name is Wardell? W-A-R-D-E-L-L. Why doesn't he go by that? That's Wardell Curry? Yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah, because his dad his dad went by Dell. His dad played under the name Dell Curry. Is he a junior? He's the second, yeah. Uh, the second, okay. Yeah, see, but he goes by Steph Curry. Um, born March 14, 1988, he is an American professional basketball player for the Golden State Warriors. Six-time NBA All-Star, has been named the NBA Most Valuable Player twice, and he's won three NBA championships with the Warriors. Many players and analysts have called him, him the greatest shooter in NBA history. Him and Klay Thompson make, the, uh, make up the dynamic duo of the Splash Brothers in Golden State. And so Clay just resigned, so we're going to see them for a lot longer. Um, like I said, um, three-time champion, two-time MVP, six-time All-Star, three-time NBA All-First Team, two-time All-NBA Second Team, uh, scoring champion, steals leader, um, you know, just one of the best shooters in, in college. He went to Davidson, and he took Davidson pretty far in the NCAA tournament, if you remember that, from 2008 NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, I, it, you know, for Steph Curry, he's one of the guys for me that uh, is similar in a Michael Jordan way. Like I've always respected his game, and I've had my ups and downs as to whether I like him and root for him, and other times when I don't like him. I really didn't like him in the Kevin Durant days. I, so I kind of ride the wave with athletes. When the public really likes someone, I don't like him. I feel like it's just too much for me. They ain't too much love. You know, the Millennials were big on the Warriors for a while. I liked Curry in the early days. I liked him when he was with Davidson. I liked him early on in his career. And now that the uh, Warriors and the Curry love has started to fade, you find me back on the Warriors bandwagon, appreciating their game and enjoying watching them play. Yeah. But when they were too much for the NBA those few years there, it was just too much for me. And I didn't really, I, I was, you know, any, everything he did kind of pissed me off. Um, but now I'm, I'm back on the Curry bandwagon. And I find that, like, the guys like, like Michael Jordan was like that for me. And LeBron James, as a matter of fact, was, it was kind of like that for me. But it's been mostly hatred for LeBron James. And it's, Well, he's kind of a douchebag. He's kind of a douchebag. But he became a sympathetic fi- figure, um, you know, I don't know if it was the first or second time he played the Warriors. And then he overcame the three games to one deficit. And they came back and won the finals. And I was rooting for him then. And I think that's, like, the only true time I've ever rooted for LeBron James. Um, but getting back to Steph Curry, you know, he just falls in a long line of athletes for me that, like, I kind of, you know, I have my ups and downs with. Um, but, yeah, I, he's a, a player who's on the up for me right now. Well, you're, it's no surprise to anyone that you're a sports hipster. I don't want to be with the crowd. You like them way back when, you know, you yeah. like them when they first come out and then they get popular. And, yeah. You know, so that's my number 30, Steph. Right. Okay. Would you... Uh, Care to wager guess what my 30 is? No. I have no idea. 
I didn't do much 30 investigating, so all I, did, I, I knew Steph was coming at 30 and I was going to do him, so I didn't look at anyone else. So I think for me, if you know me well, the obvious choice uh, would have been to go back-to-back Penguins goalies who went back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. It actually wrote Matt Murray's name down. Oh, so, and, so he was 30? Yeah. Okay. And then I just had to take a moment and, and scratch his name out. It would just be such a travesty if we passed by 30. And not only did I skip this man, uh, but skipped him for in favor of another goalie. So I went with Martin Brodeur. Oh, yeah. That, that's a good one. Yeah. 22 seasons with the New Jersey Devils. Or excuse me, 21 seasons with the Devils and then seven games with the Blues, which uh, always bothered me that he didn't just hang them up when it was done. Speaking um, of bothering, something with the Blues and bothering me, and I didn't mention this during the Stanley Cup, all right, just oh, a side note. Jesus Did Christ. you see all the Blues fans with the Wayne Gretzky jerseys? They were everywhere. Blues fans with Wayne Gretzky jerseys. Wayne Gretzky played 18 games yeah. with the St. Louis Blues. That's like me wearing... Um, a Shaq Celtics jersey. Yeah, I'm sure tons of Shaq Celtics jerseys are out there. Yeah, no. When when the greatest player to ever play the game, arguably, and I would argue against that, but uh, you can't argue against the numbers. The greatest player to ever play the game puts on your jersey, you buy that jersey. 18 games. Okay. Well, uh, that's, that's my beef. Continue on. <laughs> All right, so... Back to honoring Martin Brodeur, three-time cup champion, uh, five-time Eastern Conference champion, NHL 100 greatest players, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, two Olympic gold medals. He basically owns every goaltending record out there, Uh, wins 691, losses 397. He has the most losses? Yeah. I mean, he has the most games by like a, a bunch even a lot more than Patrick Watt, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, 125 shutouts, uh, 1,266 games played. He has three goals, 45 assists, and is the leading point earner all time for goalies in the NHL. 30-game uh, winner, 12 straight seasons. He was the only goalie in history with eight 41 se- seasons. A four-time Vezina Trophy winner. Five-time William M. Jennings Trophy winner, which is fewest goals against in a season for any goalie that has more than 25 games played. Ten-time All-Star. He is a Calder Memorial Trophy winner. That's the Rookie of the Year. Um, I think maybe perhaps his greatest legacy uh, and biggest honor because now it is a visible part of every hockey rink almost in the world, the trapezoid, the Brodeur rule. Uh, He was so good at handling the puck behind the net that they had to make a rule coming out of the 06 lockout or heading into the 06 season um, to stop him from from handling the puck and and turning it into a a ping pong match where you couldn't get any zone cycle time. So... um, I mean, he's he's a legend. He's got a statue outside the Rock in Newark, and he really defined those teams. And you see in his retirement, you know, he's doing the Enterprise commercials, and he's hilarious, and he's very charismatic, uh, and just an all-around uh, great guy. So going with number 30, Martin Brodeur. Good choice. All right. 
Uh, you want to keep it on hockey for now? Yeah, I may as well. Lots of stuff. You said this this is nothing compared to what we're about to get into in the NBA. Right, yeah. But I guess they're, what, 18 hours behind as far as when they started. You know, NBA free agency started last night, Sunday night at 6. NHL free agency started today at noon. So. Right. So the NBA's got an 18-hour head start. Well, I don't think, uh, truth be told, I don't think, yeah, NHL's not going to get that crazy. But before we get into free agency and the draft, I want to talk about NHL awards. We'll fly through them uh, fairly quickly. The Art Ross, the Ted Lindsay, and the Hart Memorial Trophy all went to Tampa Bay's Nikita Kucherov, who absolutely slayed the regular season and then completely disappeared into obscurity for the playoffs. In his regular season, 82 games played. He had 41 goals, 87 assists for 128 points and was a plus 24 on the ice. Uh, Nikita Kucherov was just absolutely unstoppable. I'm very curious to see what kind of season he has next year. Uh, If he can keep that clip up, uh, he won't be in Tampa Bay for, for very long or they'll have to, you know sell off one of their other big pieces because he's going to get paid. Boop, boop, boo. Next, we have the Mark Messier Leadership Award, which I thought was really funny that they gave to Wayne Simmons, uh, who, I mean, the Messier Leadership Award is usually given to a captain. Um, it's a leadership award. Uh, so for it to go to a non-captain who gets traded at the deadline. And signed with a different team today. Yeah, it's okay. Whatever. I think they were like, we all love Wayne Simmons. Let's give him something. Uh, and his off the ice stuff is is really good, especially as a person of color in a predominantly white white sport. Uh, he does a lot for representation, so that probably didn't hurt him there. The Vezina Trophy went to Tampa Bay Lightning goalie Andre Vasilevsky. Um, he went 39-10-4 on the season, had a goals against of 2.40, and a save percentage of 9.25. He's the next carry price as far as I'm concerned, as far as um, consistency and just overall play in general. Granted, he had an amazing team in front of him as well, but also he really kept them in a lot of games Um and his performance this year, uh, it was really a slam dunk. Uh, the William Jennings Trophy, uh, we went over this before the playoffs, went to Robin Lehner and Thomas Grice of the New York Islanders. Um, this kind of pair uh, segues well into the Jack Adams Award, uh, who was awarded to Coach Barry Trotz the, his first year uh, with the Islanders. The like quick rundown of why this makes sense is... The Islanders, the year before, gave up the most goals, and they went to uh, giving up the fewest goals this year. Um, so that's quite a swing, and congratulations to Barry Chotts uh, for that. The Selkie Trophy uh, went to Ryan O'Reilly, and that was a little bit of a no-brainer. Uh, it's kind of ironic, uh, the part that he played in the playoffs, because the voting for all of these awards happens at the end of the regular season. So they say. So they say. Okay, yeah. I, could. I mean, it would be interesting to see if the Bruins and Bergeron would have won. Bergeron gets it for the fifth time. Yeah, that's yeah, very true. Also, Bergeron did not have uh, a great final, but undoubtedly playing hurt. 
The Bill Masterton Trophy went to Robin Lanner of the New York Islanders as well. I mean, this was another no-brainer. Um, you know, he struggled with some mental illness and addiction issues, and he, in the acceptance of this award, really gave a nice speech and did one of those standing up to the stigma deliveries. And, you know, he says um, something to the effect of, you know, I have I have a mental illness, but I'm 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 not mentally ill. I'm not weak. You know, it doesn't make me weak. So, uh, congratulations to to him for getting his shit together. The Lady Bing Trophy was awarded to Alexander Barkov. He played 82 games, 35 goals, 61 assists. Johnny, he had eight penalty minutes. Man, get in there. No, no, he is in there though. He is a he is a hard playing. Uh, player, but he, uh, I mean, this is the gentlemanly conduct award, you know. So for him to produce at that level, uh, this is a guy that you should be scared of coming into the to the next year in your division. I'm uh, scared of everything next year. <laughs> uh, but at the awards, he had a funny little thing where uh, he's um, he's a Finnish guy, and he gets up there and he goes. Whoa, it looks like there's more fans here in Finland than there are in Florida, or from Florida. <laughs> Didn't come off well, but, it, you know, the Scandinavian guys, it's sometimes get lost in translation. The Calder went to Elias Pettersson. I mean, that was really a layup. Uh, I think the only thing that could have kept him from winning this after the start that he had, remember he had goals in like 10 consecutive games in his, in his first 10 games in Vancouver with not a lot around him. And then he had some injury issues with small body kind of guy. But he wound up playing 71 games. And, I, and in the end, I think that while he tapered off in production, the fact that he was able to stay on the ice really helped uh, nail this one home for him. He wound up with 28 goals and 38 assists in his 71 games. Uh, the Norris Trophy went to Mark Giordano. So the Norris Trophy always bothers me because I feel like rarely is it where the best defenseman that year wins. It's kind of like one of those awards where you have to put in your time and, you know, everybody gets in line to win the award. Um, you know, the Calgary was the number one seed in the West. They were, they were, and he did really, really well. But it, the yeah, whole great finish to the year. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Drew Doughty last year, or um, or no, it was uh, Drew Doughty when he won it. I believe that was the year before, and then it was the Sharks guy, uh, Brent Burns, last year. Uh, it's one of those things where it feels like it was Mark Giordano's turn. He's thirty-five years old. He's played thirteen seasons. You know, Calgary he, had their best year in a long time. Right, exactly. So, uh, 78 games played, 17 goals, 57 assists, uh, 74 points. He was a plus 39. So, Do obviously, you think that Carlson and Burns playing together, I mean, that's got to take away some of the votes, right? You know, if they're splitting some of the votes from people yeah. voting on that team. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Fuck the King Clancy Award, but congratulations to Z uh, Jason Zucker for winning it. And then finally, the Rocket Richard, Alex Ovechkin, man. I really thought he was going to fall off this year, but he was pretty right. much was right the there. The, yeah, the Russian machine, baby. 81 games played, 51 goals, 38 assists, 89 points. Um, only a plus seven, though, and I, I, you know, I think that's, that was part of their problem. Couldn't keep it close. Kept giving up leads. 
Alrighty. Uh, one one other quick note from the awards. Uh, did you see the thing with Carrie Price? No. So earlier in the season, there was a kid who's a Carrie Price fan. Uh, his mother died suddenly, and there was a moment. I believe it was before a game where the kid was, you know, by the glass, and Carrie Price came over and gave him a really nice big hug. And it just a really touching moment. You know, you could tell it really meant a lot to the kid. And the kid signed a bunch of shit for him and all that. Well, at the awards, uh, they bring the kid out there. And, you know, obviously they got him decked out with merch. And um, they put Carey Price on, like, the video screen. And he's kind of delivering a dress to him. And then there's a big reveal that Carey Price is actually in the building. And he comes out on stage and they have another hug and you know it's such a such a a thrill and a huge moment for this for this young kid who's been through so much well later it comes out through the twitter scape <laughs> carrie price's wife puts up this t this tweet video of her so she goes over to his jacket and she's like carrie forgot his pocket square for the nhl awards today so we had to improvise, and she pulls out a pair of her panties out of his pocket, and it's just like, holy shit. Obviously, she's a smoke show. Don't you wish your wife did shit like that? <laughs> yeah, something. How do you even handle that kind yeah. of action, man? You're out, you're out uh, giving the kid a, the moment of his life. You got your wife's knickers in your pocket. You probably <laughs> smell them. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But anyways... That, uh, that ties a bow around NHL awards. Moving on to the draft, as anticipated, number one, Jack Hughes to the Devils. This was written in stone. I think there was a small chance that uh, Capocacco could have snuck into the first slot. However, I think PR-wise, Jack Hughes has been the assumptive first-round pick for the last couple of years. There's a lot of name recognition there. Clearly Ray Shiro in New Jersey is trying to sort of build the opposite of what Lou Lamarillo built and have a lot of personality on his team. And we'll get to some personalities that came to that team uh, in a little bit. But uh, I, I think Jack Hughes was always the foregone conclusion. Uh, so obviously the Finnish Capocacco uh, went to the Rangers, uh, number two. And really the only other notable things that happened in the draft. Hockey draft is so weird, man. So many of these guys just don't go anywhere or do anything. Oh, it's like baseball. Yeah. But uh, Cole Caulfield uh, fell to the Montreal Canadiens 15th. A goal scorer. He had 72 goals. And, you know, just one of those guys where you, you see it's the recency bias of St. Louis Blues winning with size and strength that a 5'7 uh, pure goal scorer at 163 pounds fell out of the top 10, you know, because of his size. So uh, interested to see how he develops and if Montreal, uh, you know, can, can catch lightning in a bottle here uh, with a guy that fell into their laps. Uh, and then the other surprise from the draft the first round, at least, was the Red Wings took Marit Seider, a German guy, uh, sixth overall, and uh, shocking a lot of people. And he wasn't projected to go in the top ten at all. 
But again, and I think this has to do with the recency bias from the Blues winning, he's a 6-4 guy, you know? So I think that was something that was really highly valued in this draft. A couple other notes. um, There were 11 Americans out of the top 31 picks. We're catching up, man. By the time we go to the Olympics in China... We are going to have a badass national team. That's why I tell you not to hate on Austin Matthews because you're going to be he's going to be winning us gold medals here before too long. I can't see myself rooting for him. I just don't like him. <laughs> well, when he's wearing those ugly ass feathered fucking jerseys, you better root for him. I'll say. <laughs> uh, and also seven Scandinavians picked. So that you know, they're it's really interesting to see how the complexion of the NHL is changing and the d- dominance of Canadian hockey uh, is, is starting to fade. Of course, you know, it's mostly Canadians picked, but um, I just think, think it's interesting to see. All right, so I think what I'll do here is I'm going to run through the list of the NHL players that have moved mm-hmm. teams, and I'm going to run through mostly significant names. And you can just kind of just stop if you want to stop and say anything. If you don't, we can just move along to the next one. I got a list of about 40 guys here. I'm not going to name them all, but I'll name probably most of them. Um, okay, we're going to start with number one. Uh, the Predators signed forward Matt Duchesne, seven years, $56 million. I think. I mean, I think this is a great move for the Predators. They're obviously uh, trying to do something with the relief that they got from moving Subban's $9 million away. And Duchesne... Proved that he could perform in the postseason, and that's what uh, Nashville really needs right now. So good for them. I, I think that's a great market. And he's also a big country music guy, and that's kind of well-known and one of his things. He's one of these guys that like uh, puts out videos playing guitar and shit to his kids. So good for him. Number two, Sergey Bobrovsky. Bob goes from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Signs a seven-year, $66.5 million deal with the Florida Panthers. I mean, we knew this six months ago. Yep. Uh, three, Joe Pavelski, longtime San Jose Shark, is going down south to Texas to play with the Dallas Stars on a three-year, $21 million deal. I think this is awesome for the Stars. If they can manage to put together a little bit of goaltending, they could really be a contender moving forward. All right, uh, piggybacking on that move, the Stars also signed longtime Anaheim Duck forward Corey Perry, just a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Um, the Minnesota Wild signed former Ranger Matt Zuccarello, five years, $30 million. Defenseman Tyler Myers signs with Vancouver, five years, $30 million. Uh, forward Brett Connolly signs with the Florida Panthers. The Panthers are going to be a common name here. Uh, the Calgary Flames signed goalie Cam Talbot to a one-year, $2.75 million deal. I think that will help ease the pain of losing goalie Mike Smith to the Edmonton Oilers on a one-year, $2 million deal. That's hilarious that the Oilers and the Flames are just swapping shitty goalies. Uh, Capitals get forward Richard Panic, four years, $11 million. Let's see, Artemi Panarin spurns the Islanders who offered more money and goes to the New York Rangers for seven years, $81.5 million. That makes two years in a row that the Islanders have been spurned even though they've offered more money. Last year it was Tavares, this year it was Panarin. I, I don't think the Islanders ever really had a chance. Uh, I mean, the arena situation is still a huge issue. Um, that during the playoffs. Yeah, and he's Russian, man, and he's just been in Columbus for the last few years after being in Chicago. He's ready to... Fucking hang with his KGB buds in New York City. Be in Madison Square Garden, you know, shop at on Fifth Avenue, get his dick sucked at 
$10,000 a night places. All right, uh, moving on. The fourth lineup from the Dallas Stars, longtime star forward Jason Spazer signs a one-year deal with the Maple Leafs for $700,000, likely to replace uh, Patrick Marlowe. Panthers again, signed from the Bruins, forward Noel Achari, three years, $5 million. How do you feel about that, Tony? I think we'll miss Achari, but like we mentioned, I think two weeks ago on the episode, the Bruins couldn't keep everyone, especially if they want to sign McAvoy and Carlo. Um, so uh, Achari is just a casualty of the, of the cap situation, and Dacus being paid $6 million, just the way it is. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Uh, moving on to your Penguins. Today, signed forward Brandon Tanev. Six years, $21 million. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about this. I, in fact, I didn't even know it happened uh, before you you told me uh, that it had gone down. I just came straight from work. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see. I, I do trust Jimmy Rutherford to put something together. The tag does scare me, especially the term. Um, six years is a long time, but I'm just hoping... Big Jim knows best. All right, the Sharks re-sign important forward Timo Meyer, four years, twenty-four million. Sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senators signed defenseman Ron Hainsey, one year, three and a half million. That'll be good for for Ottawa. Uh, Hainsey won a cup with us. Uh, he's really solid, dude. A little bit on the older end, uh, but you know he'll be good to to ground a, a young and up and coming defensive core for for the Senators. Uh, they're going to suck for the next few years anyway. So. I don't know who this is, but the Blue Jackets must be attempting to replace Bobrovsky with some guy named Jonas Corposalo. Jonas Corposalo. One year, $1.15 million. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Uh, Canadians, likely backup goalie, Keith Kincaid. One year, $1.75 million. Blue Jackets. Ryan Murray, defenseman. Two years, $9.2 million. Detroit, signs forward, Valtteri... Fipula. Valtteri Fipula. Two years, six million. Blackhawks, forward Ryan Carpenter, three years, nine million. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, forward Jonas Donskoy, four years, fifteen point six million. Blue Jackets again, forward Gustav Nyquist, four years, twenty-two million. Lightning, goalie Curtis McElhenney, two years, two point six million. You saw how well Mac did. I mean, it'll be. They're just trying to sure everything up, maybe give Vasilevsky uh, a little more rest. You saw um, not this past season, but the season before, um, he actually took a leave of absence before the playoffs and actually admitted to the, to the media that he was, quote, tired uh, and needed the time to prepare for the playoffs. Uh, a lot of people perceive that as pretty soft. Um but maybe that's something that they identified as a need and maybe one of the reasons why um, weren't able to uh, succeed in the playoffs. So uh, he's a serviceable goalie. Uh, I believe he was with Carolina, and he, he did really, really well. Okay. I like, um, I like the move for them. Next on the list is defenseman Anton Strelman. Again, the Florida Panthers going all in this year. Three years, $16.5 million. Moving on to the Devils. New Jersey signs forward Wayne Simmons. One year, $5 million. I think this is just another one of those bringing personalities into the dressing room. They're getting really, really likable guys. Um, there's also one of the things that I think the Devils are doing are trying to get young black kids in New Jersey, Philadelphia, you know, that metropolitan area into hockey. Uh, and, you know, bringing in guys like... Wayne Simmons, and we'll talk about P.K. Subban in a little bit, 
I think that's that's going to do it. And these are guys that are are huge in the communities uh, and have big personalities and really sell the game. I think Ray Shiro is all in on this the, this personality campaign for the for the New Jersey Devils, and that also goes to to Jack Hughes as well. You know, I think part of it also is uh, making sure Taylor Hall stays, making sure Taylor Hall is happy and he has good, fun, great for the locker room guys. Uh, around him that are really good at hockey uh, so that he decides to stay as well. Okay, next is uh, Bruins with a couple moves, re-signing defenseman Connor Clifton, uh, the penalty king in the playoffs <laughs> this year, three years, three million. I think it's a pretty good sign, though. Uh, and they, and they brought in new guy forward Brett Ritchie, one year, one million dollars. It's about all they could afford, so. The next item is Anders Lee re-signs with the Islanders for seven years, $49 million. And the Blackhawks got their goalie, uh, Robin Leonard, one year, $5 million. So the Islanders signed goalie, Semyon Varlamov, four years, $20 million. And then lastly, the Hurricanes re-signed their own goalie, Peter Morozik, two years, $6.25 million. So one more free agent thing is uh, Montreal signed Sebastian Ajo from the Carolina Hurricanes to a restricted free agent offer sheet. Uh, the Hurricanes announced on their Twitter that there is no chance in hell that they're not matching the offer sheet. So. Oh my God, that was really funny. So Aho is not going anywhere. They put so the Carolina Hurricanes put up a Twitter poll that said, "What are the chances?" Or will we will we match the offer sheet for Sebastian Aho? And Aho, the top said yes, yes and the bottom said we. <laughs> Those are the only two options given. So clearly, they have plans on matching that offer sheet. All right, so getting into the Phil Kessel trade. Yeah, okay, so uh, Phil Kessel and defenseman Dane Burks, never heard of him, in a fourth-round fourth round pick uh, were sent away to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for former Montreal Canadian Alex Galchenyuk and defenseman Pierre-Oliver Joseph. Have you ever heard of this Joseph cat? No, no although I am hearing that people who follow the Coyotes are not happy that he left. Um, so pretty good prospect. We'll see what we get. I This is the first I've ever heard of him, so I'm certainly going to start looking into him. Uh, and we'll follow him as was it worth letting Phil Kessel go. But it, it was pretty obvious the last two seasons that the honeymoon was over in Pittsburgh with Phil Kessel. Uh, coaches have a really hard time with him, especially coaches like Mike Sullivan. And when he was with us, uh, current Arizona head coach Rick Tockett was known as the Kessel Whisperer. So to hear that Phil is, has decided to head to the desert to play for Rick Tockett is really no surprise. And also, if we're being completely honest as well, Las Vegas is a hop, skip, and a jump right on the highway. And Phil the Thrill is a huge gambler. I mean, he was just on the World Series of Poker. So uh, I think a little bit of that... And I think he also just needs a new situation, kind of worn out his welcome with coaching. And I think based on some of our acquisitions and moves that have been made, we're heading into a new phase of the Penguins. You know, having the three-headed monster of huge stars kind of played itself out, and we can't play the game around them to support them. 
the way we need to. And you saw that in a drop of production with Evgeny Malkin because he didn't really have any good wingers to play with him because we tried to create depth depth within the three lines. Now with Phil's money coming off the books and Alex Galchenyuk coming on, I really think, at least I hope, that maybe they're trying to find somebody that'll catch some magic with either Sid or Gino and kind of have a more traditional top two, bottom two uh, setting, still able to run four lines. Uh, but that's how I, how I see this thing breaking down. Uh, I'm happy to have Alex Gal- Galchenyuk. I mean, you could really see him possibly having some good chemistry with Gino, right? Uh, maybe get a little Russian connection line going. So do you have any thoughts on uh, Phil the Thrill, former no, I Boston I Bruin? I forgot about him years ago. <laughs> he passed the Sagan trade. <laughs> All right, and the other guy who was a big name who was traded, we've mentioned a few times, P.K. Subban goes to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I mean, this was all about getting his $9 million off of the books for Nashville. I mean, I'm not going to continue to to beat the dead horse of the culture change in New Jersey. I really like the, I really, really like the trade. Okay, and then one more thing on the contracts. The San Jose Sharks re-signed their defenseman, Eric Carlson for eight more years to a large sum of money. I don't have it offhand, but I think it's near one hundred million. Eric Carlson. Eleven and a half per year. So whatever oh, eleven and Jesus a half per Christ. year is times eight. So ninety two million. Eight oh years, ninety two million for Eric Carlson. Okay, so I mean him and Burns together, I mean I don't understand how the hell they think this is a good idea. Oh, and Joe Thornton announced that he is not retiring. Yeah, I did I did hear that. He's like, I'll keep going as long as they'll have me. So they re-signed Timo Meyer. They re-signed um, Jonas Donskoy and Eric Carlson, but they did lose Pavelski and Nyquist. So, you know, Sharks making some moves, as they always do. Uh, real quick, before we move on to basketball, I just wanted to give uh, a shout-out to my boy Brooks Orpik, uh, announcing his retirement after 15 NHL seasons, um, won a cup with us, won a cup with the Capitals. Really, he was one of those guys that were a huge part, along with uh, former Penguin Matt Niskin. And to really exercise the demons in Washington, they always had the firepower, but really couldn't get it together on the back end uh, enough. And goaltending was a part of that, but huge part of turning their team around and getting rid of the losing culture in the room. So uh, stick taps and a uh, big congratulations to Brooksy on uh, a wonderful career. Uh, Dan Boyle also retired after 1,093 games playing for the Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, San Jose Sharks, and the Rangers. Cup champion in 04 with Tampa Bay. And then finally, former Penguin Paul Martin uh, announced his retirement as well after 14 NHL seasons. Uh, this guy never missed the playoffs in his 14-year career. So uh, pretty pretty cool distinction for him. And moving on from them, one more retirement. Roberto Luongo on the 2011 Vancouver Canucks goalie and the former Florida Panthers goalie announced his retirement this past week. Bobby Lou. Shame he never won a cup. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's a, it's a real shame. All right, so that should conclude NHL, right? Oh, yeah. That went on for a little bit longer than I thought, but 
there, there is it's a lot to cover a lot to cover speaking but, of a lot to cover oh my goodness gracious but all this talk that we're going to get into at any moment now could be rendered pointless if Kawhi Leonard signs a deal with the LA Lakers to team up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis thus forming the next great NBA super team to carry the torch passed on by the Warriors and ruining the NBA for the next three, four, five years. Who knows? If Kawhi does this, I, I, I've announced that I think I'm going to need to boycott the NBA because I just can't take it. I've waited so long for the NBA to have this balance for the Warriors to not be the Warriors anymore. And Durant has left and the entire league has shifted. We will go through all the moves of the, the reshaping of the NBA. And you know what? It's a lot of two stars here, two stars here, young stars here, you know, a couple stars here. But there's balance to it. There's a nice balance to it. And if Kawhi either stays in Toronto with the Raptors or goes to the Clippers where he's rumored, great. Excellent. We have tremendous balance going into the NBA 2019-2020 uh, season, and nobody knows who the hell is going to win the NBA Finals World Championship next year. Fantastic. Isn't that what you want as an NBA fan? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you, as an NHL fan, as a Major League Baseball fan, as a, as a football fan, isn't that what you want if going in rooting for your team? That, to know that, that your team has a chance if things break right. Not to know that there's no chance, zero chance, because no matter how great a season you have, you run into the this unbelievable trio of three of the top six players in the NBA are going to be playing together. I mean, this this trio would trump all the other trios. I mean, this would just like make Dwayne Wade, Chris John, there's, Bosch, there's LeBron 50, James, that would, the Miami Heat trio would make them seem bad. You would, there's like, 15 Curry, guys Durant. on a team. Doesn't matter. It's there, all about there stars. There are going to be twelve NBA. other it's guys. All stars I know in the it's NBA. all about That's stars. why Michael Jordan had such an impact and won six championships because it's all about. There's only five guys on the court at a time, and the yeah, one player makes such an impact. Yeah, you can't have the same three guys on the court at the same time. Let's not. Yeah, they will. Not, Kawhi, LeBron, and Anthony Davis will be on the court. Aren't they? A lot. How many of them are point guards? None of them. The Kawhi's a small forward. LeBron, small forward, power forward. Anthony Davis, power forward. Okay, center. yeah, so that's what it is. Sorry, not point guards. They're all forwards. And then they have Kyle Kuzma, who's a young power forward. But they'll resign. We'll get a Rondo or something like that. How? They're, How? With what money? Because Every, everybody else that, on the team like is going to be like on $1 million podcast, or less. The NBA, the salary cap is funky. There's slots. So even though they can't sign anyone to any big money... There will be NBA veterans who didn't get a contract, who just want to go win a ring, and there'll be ring clingers who will go there for the veteran minimum, which is you know eight hundred thousand dollars for one year, just to try to chase a ring, and that's what they do. Uh, I I think. Trust me, if Kawhi goes, to, it's so bad. It's so bad. And I mean, Charles Barkley was pretty against it. I, I mean, everyone's against it. Everyone is against it. I don't know one person who's for it, and I just think. For Kawhi Leonard, the guy who ended the Miami Heat dynasty with the Spurs. So the the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James dynasty where the Heat had won two years in a row. And in 2014, Kawhi Leonard comes along with the Spurs and he ends that dynasty. Same thing that happened with the Kawhi on the Raptors this year. The Warriors had won the last two years. And who comes along? Kawhi Leonard. And he stops them. So he's the dynasty super team crusher. And now you're going to join the ultimate super team with LeBron James. Just another reason to absolutely despise LeBron. LeBron James yeah. and his agent and Clutch Sports and Rich Paul and the Lakers. I mean, I'd, so, but we don't know for sure yet. It's just the rumors there. Everyone's saying that it seems like it's almost a done deal. Who knows? 
maybe Kawhi Leonard is playing the ultimate super ploy and saying, I am not announcing yet. It could be the Lakers. It could be the Clippers. It could be the Raptors. And he's letting all the other players sign on teams. So then when he announces he's going to go to the Clippers or go to Toronto, the Lakers don't have any fallback plan. There's no a more. None of the good guys are left for them to sign. Hmm. That's one conspiracy theory. But who knows? What, what Would he have any reason to fuck them over? I mean, if he plays with the Clippers, the yeah, city the other, rival, the other absolutely. team, absolutely, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and and if and if you know, right now, it without Kawhi Leonard, it looks like the best team in the West right now is the Anthony Davis LeBron James combination. So, if he goes to Toronto, I mean, right now they'd be favored to play each other in the finals next year. So, I mean, to it, I'd like it, to see, I, it benefits I'd like him. to see him in Toronto. Absolutely. It was yeah, a great, great story. You know, you you bring, bring a champion. Yeah, bring a championship home. You'd be like, okay. you'd be like Gordy Howe up there. Right. Big, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's go here. Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like we knew all along when they were playing grab ass at the Where All-Star Brooke game. Where Brooklyn at? You know, they were playing grab ass at the All-Star game. They had his hands. They had each other's hands down their each other's pants. Kyrie, wow. Kyrie Irving was saying in the, he was caught saying on a Someone's camera in the hallway at the All-Star Game in Charlotte to Kevin Durant, we've got two max slots. We've got two max slots. And they both denied it at the time. But now if you look back, that's exactly what they were talking about. And they were so defensive and upset about this conversation that they were busted having because it was true. They had plans all along to sign with the Nets. And it's just, you know, I know it's good for the Celtics that Kyrie is gone because he was a cancer. And it's just disappointing that someone, he threw in the towel. You could tell he threw in the towel on the Celtics and the season because he knew he was out the door. And for me, that's disappointing. Kevin Durant obviously didn't do quite the same. And, you know, he got injured. But Kevin Durant's likely to miss most of next year. So Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan signed with the Nets. And the replacement for the Celtics is going to be Kemba Walker, who signed last night from the Charlotte Hornets. You're excited about that, right? I like it because I think it's a better fit personality-wise. It's nice to have somebody who's going to be all in and all about the team for the Celtics. But the big loss for the big kick in the balls this weekend for the Celtics was losing Al Horford to the 76ers. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like what the Sixers are doing now is they got Embiid and now they have Horford, two big guys who could build that wall to stop Giannis. You know, which is going to be the big task in the East is trying to stop Giannis. And Horford's a smart player. The Sixers aren't really a smart team. You know, Simmons can't shoot. And uh, Embiid, they're not the smartest players. Their coach isn't the best coach. So if Horford goes there, Horford's a smart player. He can kind of teach them how to play a smart game. And they, they also re-signed Tobias Harris as well, who's a really good player. They overpaid for him, but they did what they have to do. The money in the NBA is insane. So to, to criticize these contracts, it, it, it's all ridiculous. You know, everybody, you saw Juju Smith-Schuster on Twitter the other day say, I got to have a conversation with my mom about why I wasn't playing basketball and I'm playing football because, they, you know, all the other athletes in pro sports, they see these NBA contracts and it's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So Jimmy Butler, the Sixers lose Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat. Um, and then D'Angelo Russell, the Nets point guard, all-star point guard, he goes to the Warriors, which is really interesting considering Clay Thompson resigned with the Warriors. So they have Steph and Clay, two guards, two shooting guards, and they bring in D'Angelo Russell, who's a guard as well. So what are they just going to play small now? You know, three guards. Interesting. 
you know, three guys who can shoot the three. So that'll be an interesting style of play. I know bombs the, away. So here's the other thing. I know the Lakers were interested in D'Angelo Russell, a reunion with D'Angelo Russell. And I think the Warriors jumped in and said, while they're waiting on the Kawhi decision, you know, they can't sign D'Angelo Russell, so let's let's make this happen. And they, they got him late last night. Um, in the Jimmy Butler trade with the Miami Heat, the Sixers acquired Josh Richardson, um, which was a pretty good shooting forward. So he was going to replace J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick went to the Pelicans. Um, already mentioned Tobias Harris resigning with the Sixers. Um, in the Kemba Walker trade, I know it, 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 the NBA is funky. It seems like Kemba Walker signed a free agent deal with the Celtics, but they worked it out, so it's a it's a sign and trade. So the Celtics trade Terry Rozier to the Charlotte um, Bobcats. Yeah, Bobcats. So they, Hornets? Hornets, I'm sorry. Why am I saying Bobcats? <laughs> anyway, so... It just goes to show you how fucking irrelevant Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte is. is. So Terry Rozier goes to Charlotte... <laughs> On a three-year, $58 million deal. Scary Terry. Who would have thought Terry Rozier would be making $20 million a year? He makes more than Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) That's something. He doesn't make more than Tom Brady's wife, though. That's true. All right. And so the Knicks, who got the ultimate bag, screw bag job in all of this, you know, if you think the Celtics got screwed by Horford, the Knicks got screwed by both Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and any other big-name free agent because they thought they were getting someone, and they didn't, but they did land Julius Randle, who I guess is, you know, he's a... I guess a lesser version of Zion Williamson, if you will. Um, so I mentioned J.J. Redick went to the Pelicans. And we saw Anthony Davis get traded to the Lakers. We all know that. And sneaky big news, Memphis traded Mike Conley, point guard, to the Utah Jazz. So if, Kemba, if Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers, the Utah Jazz are going to be a team to reckon with next year with Donovan Mitchell and um, Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. And they also got sharpshooter Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Pacers. Hassan Whiteside was traded from the Miami Heat to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Derek Favors from Utah to the Pelicans. Uh, Bucks point guard Malcolm Brogdon was signed by the Pacers. Kent Bazemore goes to the Portland Trailblazers. The Warriors re-signed big man Kevon Looney. And we mentioned earlier that the Warriors also re-signed Klay Thompson. Jeremy Lamb goes to the Pacers. The Lopez brothers reunite for the first time since playing at Stanford in 2008. Uh, Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez will both be playing for the Bucks next year. Chris Middleton also re-signed with the Bucks. Ricky Rubio goes from Utah to the Phoenix Suns for three years. Ed Davis signs with the Utah Jazz. Um, in the Anthony Davis trade, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart went to the Pelicans. Kristaps Porzingis, the Zinger, re-signed with the Dallas Mavericks to play alongside Doncic for years to come. Harrison Barnes re-signed a $90 million contract with the Sacramento Kings. Nikola Vucevic re-signed with the Orlando Magic. Derek Rose, the point guard, signs a two-year deal with the Detroit Pistons. Pat Beverly, the point guard, re-signs with the Clippers. I mentioned earlier that DeAndre Jordan is teaming up with Kyrie and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn to play with the Nets. Dwayne Dedman goes to the Sacramento Kings. Al Farouk Aminu goes to the Orlando Magic. Bobby Portis, uh, Reggie Bullock go to the Knicks, along with Julius Randle, so kind of the consolation prizes. <laughs> Real, really bad consolation prize for the Knicks there. Um, Thaddeus Young signs with the Chicago Bulls. And last but not least, Damari Carroll signs with the Spurs. So that is your full breakdown of the NBA signings, trades, but again, and whatnot. But again, 
It may not even matter. I mean, seriously. None of this. None, none of, of this, this will matter. matter. <laughs> you're so, you're so nihilistic. I love it. So um, the, the one, the one thing I like though, like I mentioned, the one thing I like is if Kyrie, I keep messing up Kawhi and Kyrie. If Kawhi resigns with Toronto or the Clippers, like I said earlier, the league becomes wide open for anybody, anyone in the East. Like it can be the Bucks, it can be the Sixers, it can be the Celtics, it can be the Nets. It could be the Heat. It could be Toronto. It could be anyone. So why, I, I love that. Why don't they do a hard cap in basketball? There's just too many like exceptions and rules and bird rights and DeRose rules. And there's just so many like different rules that they add and subtract every year that make this a big, whole, complicated situation. You know, the players want to get like half of the, the revenue stream. So the owners get half and then the players get the other half. And... It's just um, it's a complex situation, and it's hard to figure out what the cap is and what it means, and you know who's a max contract and who's a super max. Like Kyrie signed a max deal, KD signed a max deal, but you know if they stay with the same team, Kyrie could have signed a a super max with the Celtics. But I don't want to get into the minutia of all these crazy details. So just give you the deals. That's what we got so far. We're waiting on the Kawhi Leonard news, which could come down any minute. Um, although I do think it'll be a couple days because he is, seems to be the one guy who waited and followed the rules and said, I'm not going to be tampered with and waited until 6.01 yesterday to finally start talking to teams. So Kawhi is going to be meeting with his three teams in the He's next coming so, days. He is so fucking cool. I love like Right now. Right now he is. But I just, I just love the way he quietly goes about his business. Which would make signing with, with the, the Lakers. Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis... The weirdest thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. So, they're obviously in the sweepstakes, but is there any credible insider giving any credence to the reports that Kawhi is interested in them? Uh, I mean, however, Chris Broussard is one, but I don't know how credible he is. He thinks he's credible. Um, he's got a lot of followers. He claims to be an NBA insider. Um Self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed. Works for Fox. So, yeah, Chris Broussard thinks that it's pretty close to a done deal. He's mentioned it a few times on Twitter. So we'll see. Okay, one more deal on the NBA front. Ennis Cantor signed with the Celtics today on a two-year, $10 million deal. So if you're wondering who's going to play center and who's going to play power forward for the Celtics, I know that the Celtics were trying late until last night to try to persuade Al Horford to stay. And clearly, that's the one thing that also really bothers me is that the money was close. He chose to go to the Sixers over the Celtics. So that says something because Al Horford seems like kind of a good stand-up guy. It says something to me about whether either the culture is bad and like the young players like Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and, you know, and Gordon Hayward, the mix is bad. The, or they're the, too full of themselves. They're too full of themselves, or if the coach is bad, or the coach doesn't have control of the room. To go to the to spurn the Celtics and to go to the Sixers, where they've got their own set of issues. You know, it, it, the one thing that it, that he could say is that he's always wanted to play power forward next to a center, and the Celtics have. I think the last year, ninety four percent of the time, they had Horford playing center. And going forward next year, it looked like he was going to play center again. 
You know, Horford's not best when he's the center position. He's just not big enough. He doesn't play inside tough enough. He's a more of an outside uh, power forward. So in Philly, he does get to play next to Embiid. So Horford gets to play the four power forward position and, you know, stretch outside, shoot threes. So that's the one thing. But other than that, it just it kind of seems like Horford was like, because Philly's not a better city than Boston. It's not a better sports city. Do they have a better chance at a championship? It's close. So all things being close, why not stick with the team that you've come to know and play with for the last few years? So maybe some, maybe maybe there's something sour in Boston, and we just don't know it. Um, and maybe maybe it was something more than Kyrie is, hmm. what I'm, is basically what I'm saying. Because we all know Kyrie was a problem. So maybe it was just something that was more than Kyrie and Horford thought was not a fixable situation. So we'll see. Obviously, it's a big year. Um, they brought in all the, all the draft picks that the Celtics made were guys of high character in college. So they're, bringing, they're shooting for uh, a likable team. The, the owner, Wick, Wick Grosbeck, was definitely aware and said himself this was the team that he's loved the least in his time as owner of the team. Uh, so basically saying he didn't like this team at all. So I think a kind of a culture change was key. They drafted as such. They got rid of Kyrie, bringing in Kemba Walker, who's a team first type guy. And um, I think we'll, we'll like Ennis Cantor too. Do you know Ennis Cantor? He's banned from Turkey because he said stuff about the Turkish president. And, you know, the president of Turkey, the Turkish people are after him. So he's kind of like... Um, He's stuck in the USA. Um, oh, like asylum? The asylum, yeah. He's, huh. he's uh, got asylum in the USA. Great. Uh, but if you watched him play for Portland in the playoffs last year, he, he played really hard. Uh, the one thing that sucks about him is his defense is absolutely terrible. Kemba's a small guy, so his defense isn't great either. Um, so the Celtics defense could be a really big problem next year, um, but they should be able to score the ball. And on the flip side, the Sixers look like they'll have a really good defense, but may struggle to score the ball, especially without Redick. So it'll be interesting to see how the East breaks down, especially with Kyrie playing alone in Brooklyn without KD for so long, um, whether Kawhi resigns in Toronto. Giannis is going to get better, and he still has Middleton, but they lost Malcolm Brogdon, their point guard. So, And the Pacers will get Oladipo back, and they got Brogdon. So... Like I said, there's a lot going on. Jimmy Butler went to the Heat. The East should be interesting as long as Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers. All right. Well, we will certainly keep our eyes and ears out for that. And we'll let you know if Johnny's boycotting the NBA next year. If we're all boycotting. I mean, does anybody want a part of that? No, nobody wants a part of that. 82-0, 16-0 to the NBA championship. Get out of here with that. Part of me wants it to happen just to see if you're right or not. Because it'd be really fun to rub this in your face if it goes completely wrong. You I know, just can't like, see like how if, it goes wrong. Like though, if there's only three guys on the on the team that you know are making over one million dollars, they'll have massive production while those guys are on the court. But LeBron's getting older; he's not going to be able to play as much defense. Uh, you know, he's going to have to stay cheat a little bit on the offensive side of the ball to to keep his edge. Kawhi up. is a one man wrecking crew. And Kawhi is a one. Anthony Davis going forward for years to come. You know, even with LeBron, they should win championships. And then when LeBron's gone in three, four, five years, they should still be really good. They're both young. So, <laughs> but there's also a second unit that needs to come out there. And if there's Nothing happening there, you know, teams could really take advantage of that, and, you know, it could just be kind of firewagon basketball. I mean, I, even if they play 35 or the 48 minutes a night, 
and that's conservative. That means they're on the court for 75% of the game. All right, that's enough basketball in July. We're going to move on to our clip of the this week. This is the most exciting time of the year for the NBA because every everyone kind of has hope. You know what I mean? Like the, the rest of the time, it's like the regular season becomes formality. So this is the time of the year to get excited for NBA. Oh, Jesus. And yet another reason why I fucking hate basketball. Okay. <laughs> We're going to move on to our clip of the week. Uh, some sad news coming out of Los Angeles. Well, uh, technically coming out of Texas, uh, but some some sad news for the Angels. Uh, back to our other breaking news. Tonight's Rangers game has been canceled after the death of Los Angeles Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Uh, the Angels tweeted the news that Skaggs passed away this afternoon here in Texas. Skaggs was a native of Southern California who started 15 games this year with seven wins, seven losses. South Lake police say Skaggs was found unresponsive inside his hotel room at the South Lake Hilton this afternoon. You can see in this aerial video, investigators uh, were still at the hotel. This was just from about uh, 20, 30 minutes ago. Skaggs was 27 years old. Uh, the Rangers just spoke about his passing. So on behalf of the Rangers organization and uh, all of us here, players, staff, everybody top to bottom, um, just saddened by the, the news today and uh, certainly want to express our deepest uh, condolences and sympathies to Tyler's family and uh, Angel's organization and all that knew him. Tonight's game was uh, going to be the first of a four-game series with the Angels. Again, it has been uh, canceled for tonight. All right. Um, really sad stuff, man. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, 27-year-old kid, uh, apparently just dies for no reason um you you you've looked into this a little bit and there's no reports of foul play no not so far you know so it's so weird like he just pitched three days ago um they're saying potentially maybe he had a heart condition but it doesn't seem like there was any foul play and you know last night he put on his instagram because they just they're arriving they're arriving to texas to play their their next series he said well uh Welcome to Texas, you know, excited to be down here and whatever on his Instagram. That was like, you know, 20 hours ago. And, and you know, I can only think of like, imagine being an angel and, you know, you go to the park like six hours before the game, like all the players do and the managers do and you're there and, you know, he's a pitcher. So maybe he doesn't need to be there at the same time as everyone else because it's not his day to pitch. But, you know, you're there, you're getting ready for the game tonight. And then everyone's like, where's Tyler? Yeah. Know, what's going on here? Where's Tyler? It's not like Tyler, like. What's going on? And then imagine being the guy like we get sent to go to back to the hotel room and open the hotel room door and he's dead. Yeah, like that's got to be crazy. Yeah, tough. Uh, Mike Trout released a statement on his Twitter. Uh, he said, "Words cannot express the deep sadness we feel right now. Our thoughts and prayers are with Carly and their families. Carly's his wife. Remembering him as a great teammate, friend, and a person who will forever remain in our hearts. We love you, forty-five." Um, he was their best pitcher too, which is gonna really gonna leave a dent because the Angels have been coming into their own, playing really really well since they got Otani back after you know at the beginning of May. Since they got Otani back, the Angels have really played good baseball, and they they fought their way into the playoff chase. They're only one game under under five hundred. Um, they're only a couple games out of the second wild card, and you know without Skaggs, they, they're already short on pitching as a team. The Angels are um, without Skaggs, who's their number one starter, along with Heaney. It's going to make things really tough. But maybe they they rally around and 
the team wants. It's got. I, I don't know how they're going to go forward. You know, it's it's tough to say. You know, because it makes uh, baseball seem small when you put it in the big picture of life and death. And yeah, it's sad. Obviously, they postponed the game today with the Rangers in Texas. So who knows when they decide to play again? And I'm sure it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure they'll. Um... They'll have a really nice tribute. I imagine they, you know, major league schedules being what they are, and you know, there's a lot of money out there. You can't postpone it forever. But um, you know, thoughts, thoughts, and prayers to uh, to his family. And uh, man, you know, it just just makes you think. Like you could have everything in front of you, and you could be on the top of the world, and in perfect health with doctors looking at you almost constantly and and it can still just slip away in the blink of an eye so uh just at any age yeah at any age just just a reminder to um to to hug your loved ones and and live life to the fullest every day because you never know when it's going to be all over so but moving on to baseball all right so Johnny. That's the sad. Let's do uh, the bad next. Did you watch the London series? I was just going to bring it up. I was just going to bring it up. This is such an inaccurate representation of what baseball... Well, maybe it is kind of accurate, but I feel like they got a lot of action uh, right off the bat. 12 runs in the first inning. Or, like, what the fuck? So, yeah, 50 runs total in the two games combined. The Yankees win game one, 17 to 13. Follow that up with a late comeback in Game Two, um, winning 12 to eight. So they outscored the Red Sox 29 to 21, and the Red Sox bullpen was absolutely demolished, exposed, tortured, um, annihilated—you name it. The lack of a bull, getting a bullpen arm, letting Kimbrel and Joe Kelly walk out the door, and not replacing them on your on their roster showed itself on a world stage this weekend, and it was the ultimate embarrassment, losing to your arch. Rival, your hated nemesis, the New York Yankees. Johnny, did you hear that they could drink beer in the stands? What does that mean? <laughs> it was like one of the storylines, oh, really? like of the whole series, was that because the, the they don't serve beer in the stands. I knew in that. England. Yeah, the vendors don't come by. Yeah, yeah, because soccer hooligans are crazy enough without bringing the beer to them. Yeah, and yeah. So we gave them. Um, <laughs> A little bit of the American way here. The American gluttony. Gluttony, yeah. We bring whatever you need to you, and you can just sit in your seat and get fat and drunk. Hey, you know what? We didn't mention though. Um, you did a very. We did a very nice thing uh, last week. Uh, instead of doing the podcast, your mom took us to to Fenway. Yeah, we went to the White Sox Red that Sox was, game, and they they won. That was really nice of uh, of of Linda. I really appreciate that, uh, and thank you to you f- yeah. uh, for having me. Um, sat in the rain the whole fucking night, <laughs> so that was yeah interesting. It was a, a constant drizzle, <laughs> just like the Red Sox season has been this year. Constant drizzle, just a slow drizzle. Like, yeah. uh, oh man, it's so. Where do we go from here? I mean, obviously the Sox were embarrassed. Cora couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, the spotlight is on Dombrowski. Are the Red Sox going to sell? Uh, they're, they're 11 games out of first place with the Yankees now. The season um, is past the halfway point. They've played 84 games. There's only uh, 
78 games left on the schedule. And they're, they, if the season ended today, they would not have a playoff spot. So questions are starting to arise. Do, and John Henry spoke this weekend as well in London saying he's not adding payroll. They're not adding payroll to this team. They're maxed out. They're not adding payroll. He's done, which I get. They want to, He's the owner. They won the World Series last year. And, you know, they're still paying guys like Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez and Manny Ramirez and Rosny Castillo and guys that don't give the team, Dustin Pedroia, guys that don't give the team absolutely anything. And they have, they have all this money going out to these guys that aren't even on the team. And they just don't want to go past the luxury tax threshold but it's costing them. You know, you didn't have to bring Kimball back. You didn't have to bring Kelly back. But you couldn't get Adam Adovino, who the Yankees got, to even further enhance their bullpen at three years, $27 million. That wasn't a good a good enough deal. You couldn't match that or surpass that for Adovino. I mean, that he would fit perfectly right now for the Red Sox pen. Instead, the, the few guys they have that are okay in the pen, Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier and Walden and Workman, they're overworked. And now they're getting shelled because they're overworked. So we've got this Red Sox, and the Red Sox fan base has a serious problem as far as the rest of the summer goes and the rest of the season goes. And there's questions now, are they going to try to add anyone? Because if they're not going to add payroll, then that means you have to give up better prospects if you're going to bring in anyone who's any decent. And the thing is, with all the teams that are in contention for the playoff spots this year, at this point, they're all everyone's looks to add bullpen help because you know that that's a key to winning in the postseason you look to add and bolster your bullpen so it's not easy to just trade on the cheap and get a bullpen piece because everyone's competing for those same bullpen pieces that are available so the red sox would have to give up they don't have that they even have a lot of good prospects they would have to give up whatever they have a good prospect and beat out another team because they're not going to take on the extra salary so I am starting to think at 44 and 40, which is their record, and out of the playoffs right now, and the All Star All Star game is a week from Tuesday. They might be sellers. That's which, uh, you could not um, if you said the beginning that's a of the Pirates season record, that dude. the Red Sox would be sellers. I would say you're fucking insane. They have Mookie Betts, they have J.D. Martinez, they have Chris Sale, they have David Price, Sandra Bogarts, Raphael Devers. They have all these guys, and you, there's you know I get they got off to a slow start, but. You know, if Mookie Betts isn't going to re-sign at the end of next year, that means he has one and a half years left on his contract. You would think they would be all in for the window. Either be all in for the window or get his, get you know replenish your prospects in your farm system. Uh, J.D. Martinez has a player option at the end of this year, so he could be a free agent. They could lose him for nothing. And Rick Porcello is a free agent at the end of the year, so they could trade him. Uh, there's a lot of questions going on with the Red Sox team, and the trade deadline is now 30 days away, a little bit less, and there is no waiver deadline. So this year, in 30 days, the deadline is the deadline. There is no more moves happening after Major League Baseball for good. So we're going to get some answers soon about what they're going to do with this year's team, but it looks like the Yankees are a freaking juggernaut. It really does, and I hate to say that, but, but they, they do look like they are the best team, even without the best pitching. They just can bludgeon you to death with their bats and it's just the way it is and the Red Sox are too far out right now so that is what it is so let's see if the Red Sox use this national or worldwide embarrassment as a as a stepping stone to try to turn around their season like the team the players on the team or they use that as an excuse you know with the jet lag and we had to go to London and they go on and they 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 mail in the rest of the season you know, because they just don't have the same drive that they had last year. 
And on a side topic, the All-Star reserves and starters were announced this past week. And the thing that really pissed me off is, you know, two guys that are underperforming on the Red Sox, the biggest one is Mookie Betts, who's not even the same player as he was last year, not even close. So if he was the number two player in OPS last year, he's 85th in the league right now, which you couldn't imagine that saying that about Mookie Betts at any point uh, coming into the season. But he got the all-star selection nod for the Red Sox, and the other guy who's picked it up of late but and is playing better, but still, J.D. Martinez got the other all-star nod for the Red Sox. So those are their two representatives. Do you know who their two representatives should be? Xander freaking Bogarts and Raphael Devers. Devers is second in the league in hitting, and Bogarts has played like the best shortstop. So for them to get snubbed, I think that's just another injustice that isn't going to set well for Red Sox fans and the Red Sox themselves. You know, Mookie and JD are having somewhat down seasons, and Bogarts and Devers are carrying the team to whatever wins they have now, and they get snubbed, and Betts and Martinez go just because they're faces of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like that's a. Not really fair. Yeah, I mean those those things happen all the time. Though. They do. It's yeah. unfortunate. Hopefully they you know injuries or whatever, and they find their way there because they they both deserve to be there. I mean, I don't, they both are highly deserving of being there. It, it blows my mind that Devers and Bogarts aren't aren't on the team, both of them. All right. So leading into my players of the week, um, or the MLB players of the week. In the American League, DJ LeMayhew had 15 hits, batted 625 with 654 and 1.083 OPS. Uh, I absolutely hate DJ LeMayhew. When he played for the Rockies three years ago when he was the batting champion, he was leading the National League in batting average going into the final four-game series in Coors Field, and he sat out three of the final four games, including a doubleheader on the last day, to preserve his batting average lead. Um, if you remember in 1941, Ted Williams did the exact opposite when he was batting near 400. Uh, he played in the doubleheader. He played all the games and actually rose his batting average to 406 because that's what baseball players do. You play every game. Uh, the reason I hate LeMayhew is because he decided to sit out and make it so no one could catch his batting title lead. Now, you know, he has the right to do that, but it doesn't mean I have to like you as a player. And of course, now he's a freaking New York Yankee doing well. <laughs> Um, in the National League, no surprise here, your NL Pitcher of the Month, your Pitcher of the Week, Player of the Week is Mad Max Scherzer. 16 innings pitched, 2 wins, 24 strikeouts, 1.13 ERA. With a broken nose. With a busted nose. I mean, that guy's a machine. He's a monster. He's an animal. <laughs> Gotta love him. All right, so let's get into the top 10 hitters from the last two weeks. Number one, my hated nemesis, DJ LeMahieu. Number two, um, new Mets All-Star, second in the National League in batting average, Jeff McNeil. Number three, Manny Machado, really starting to turn it on. Uh, number four, Houston Astros. Oh, no, sorry, not Houston Astros. Uh, his brother, Toronto Blue Jays, Lourdes Goriel Jr. Number five, my guy, who I can't wait to go see in San Diego, also got snubbed from the All-Stars this year, uh, 20-year-old rookie, Fernando there must be something in the air tonight. <laughs> Tatis Jr. Uh, number six, Chris Taylor of the Dodgers. Number seven, Javier Baez. Number eight, Matt Chapman. Number nine, Pete Alonzo. Number 10, Chuck Nasty. Chuck Blackman of the Rockies. Those are your top 10 hitters over the last two weeks. Top 10 pitchers over the last two weeks. Number one, Mad Max Scherzer. Number two, John Gray. 
Number three, Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers. Number four, former Pirate Con Astro, Garrett Cole. Number five, not Justin, but Shane Bieber. Number six, Jacob DeGrom. Number seven, John Lester. Number eight, Patrick Corbin. Number nine, Madison Bumgarner. And number 10, uh, the recently deceased uh, Tyler Skaggs is um, your number 10 pitcher over the last two weeks. So it's kind of sad. Just shows how well he was playing. So just that really sucks. Do you think you still would have had him on the list if he hadn't passed? I mean, it's, 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 it's a statistical-based list. That's, that's how he's been doing. I, it's not a list that I just make up. This is an actual how well these guys have been doing over the last two weeks. So I'm surprised to see his name there because you don't see him being that, you know, he's good, but he's never really been that good. But, but to be a top 10 pitcher in Major League Baseball over the last two weeks just shows that he was kind of uh, coming into his own. So sad story. Yeah. All right, and that leads into this week's, um, what's today, July 1st, the MLB Power 10. Is it week 16 in baseball? We're over halfway there. Uh, right now, I'm I'm gonna put my uh, actually I'm gonna go ten to one. I started doing this recently. Instead of going one to ten, I think it works out better if I go ten to one because we lead up to the best team. I like it. All right, number ten, uh, Colorado Rockies. Number nine, Milwaukee Brewers. Number eight, Chicago Cubs. Number seven, Texas Rangers. There's just no quitting those Texas Rangers. They just keep charging. Uh, the fast fading Tampa Bay Rays are at number six. Uh, number five is the Atlanta Braves. Number four, the also kind of struggling over the last few weeks, Houston Astros are taking a dip. Staying strong at number three, and they probably will be in the top three all season because their schedule is easiest in baseball playing in the AL Central. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, the Bomba Squad. I got to get me a t-shirt. The uh, Bomba Squad means home runs, and uh, they lead the league in home Bomba. runs. Bomba. Yeah. yeah, the Bomba Squad. I love that shirt. Uh, <laughs> I mean, number, go ahead. It means bomb. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> they hit bombs, and they do. Fun, fun team to watch. All right, number two. Just because I don't want to put them at one, but maybe they should be one. Number two is your New York Yankees. Number one is the LA Dodgers. Um, so if you're a Red Sox fan and you're as depressed as I am after this, the beating they took this weekend at the hand of our rival. Oh, that's why you're wearing the Dodgers hat. No, no, no. I just I, I collect hats, you know. And a couple <laughs> years ago, I was rooting for the Dodgers. But my new hats for this year... <laughs> My new hats for this year, my new team. So the Minnesota Twins, I got to get a Minnesota Twins Bomba Squad shirt and a hat. But I'm also going to San Diego soon, and I'm going to go see my guy Fernando Tatis, and I'm going to get a San Diego hat. So these are two teams that are fun to watch. Uh, San Diego's playing really well. Um, they've got a chip on their shoulder because they, they lacked their all-star selections as well. Um, so if San Diego can squeak into the playoffs, I know Minnesota's going to be in the playoffs. Those are my two teams to watch and root for the rest of the way. Uh, Twins and the Padres. Two teams that haven't been good in a long time, so it's nice to see an up-and-coming team do something and play well. And um, see, it's nice to watch a team and see the effort that they give on a nightly basis and the excitement they give. It was, you know, the thing that made the Red Sox so much fun last year is on a nightly basis they gave you something to root for. They never quit. You know, they they it was always energy and excitement. They played with a passion. And they were driven towards a common goal last year, and that's what p produced 119 wins in a World Series championship. And they clearly don't have that edge this year. But like I said, the Twins and the Padres are two teams that may be playing above their heads, but they're playing with a nice fun edge, and they're fun to watch this year. Well, speaking of being fun to watch, uh, I've been keeping up with the Women's World Cup, specifically the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, last time we convened here, they were getting ready to play Sweden. 
wound up winning two to nothing in a game that was more of a blowout than the score would suggest. The U.S. girls were never in any danger of losing that game. Didn't uh, they allow a late goal in that game? Was it two to one? No, that no. that that was uh, that was England. That was Spain and France. England's oh, okay, okay. England's coming up. So they went into the elimination round against Spain. Um, this was supposed to be a little bit of a layup in preparation right. for uh, what was to be a hotly contested match against the French. One of those things where you have the final and the quarterfinals. I kind of liken it to when in 2016 through 2018, when the Penguins and the Capitals met in the second round and you knew whoever came out of that series had a really good chance of winning the cup. Um, everybody was saying between France and the United States, that's the one who's taken La Copa Mundial home. We'll start with the game against the Spanish. This was a hard one to watch, man. We did not play very well. Uh, lots of turnovers, and we we won on two penalty kicks, um, which is a tough way to see your team win without any. Especially, it seemed like they were flopping all over the place that game. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of tough to watch, and that's something that I really enjoy about women's soccer is you don't get this. The same kind of Seems theatrics. Like more flopping this year, though, than there has been in the, the past. They're catching I, on. I think the video review has process has a lot to do with that because um, the referees are more willing to call something because they know it can be overturned. The disallowed goals on the VAR for like just being like a fucking pubic hair offsides is literally just the worst. Replay has made sports worse. It doesn't make things clearer. It doesn't reduce controversy. It, it makes it worse. It just... Did you... I don't... Re- the sports don't, wasn't meant to be like, it, you know, like at the millimeter of a, of a of a split hair. Like, that's not yeah. what it's meant to be. Like... I don't... It's So the rule specifically states clear and obvious. I don't suppose you saw any of the uh, England-Cameroon game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> really? <laughs> Anyways, the Cameroonians got completely fucked over the whole time. And, you know, there was some controversial goals that were allowed for the English. And then you have the Cameroonians having goals disallowed on on calls that are... I you mean, think replay's bad now? Wait until you see the pass interference in the NFL next year. Oh, my God. Well, okay. Something. Hold on a second. We thought we thought the the offensive leading with the helmet um, was going to be a different. travesty. This is different. Especially we'll, with replay we'll see going how it goes. up in the final two minutes. Oh, my God. We'll see the how it goes. The fans and the coaches are, never, are not going to let anything go. We'll see how it goes. And then you're going to get the screen grabs of what they missed every week, and it's going to be, oh, my God, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> At any rate, the United States women on the boot of Megan Rapino on two penalty kicks triumphed over the Spanish 2-1, to one, sending them to the quarterfinals against the French. And again, Megan Rapino, you were just hating on her before the game, too. I don't love her. Does that make me a bad person? I don't love her. She you got, seems, she you got a little full of herself. You got something against lesbians with pink hair? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You know, Man. Her, her comments against the going to the White House and 
and seeing Trump was unnecessary to me, and I, I don't appreciate that. Going to see the White House, is ne- it's, and that's what bothers me, not to get political, because I know every, nobody wants to talk politics, and I don't want to either, but going to see the White House, it's, it's, it's respecting the, the office of the president. It's not going to see the president and make your statement. It's just it's something you do. And first of all, you weren't even invited yet. You haven't even won anything yet. So don't talk about, oh, we're not going to get invited. We're not, fuck no, we're not going to go. Like, you play for USA. Like, so here, the here, White House is important in the United States of America. Just, even if Trump is Trump, it's the United States of America and the White House stands for something. So let's not bash it. Yeah, again, we don't want to get political, so I'm just going to say the one thing. I think the point that we're at now politically is so toxic and incendiary, and there are specific policies by this administration that are downright harmful to the queer community uh, at large. And so obviously the question is going to come up in the landscape that we're in, it comes up with any team that has the potential to to bring home a championship. And this team is now, after beating France, the presumptive... They're in the final four. They still have two more games to win. Yeah. Let's focus on those. I I agree. I'm I'm just saying the question is going to come up. They're going to say as as a as one of the most visible members of the queer community, would you if if Trump was there? And you know I think much like a lot of the black hockey players and a lot of the basketball players, basketball players, and the 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 black and Latino Red Sox didn't go. The things that are happening are beyond just politics. And at a certain point, you can't feel good standing there taking pictures and glad-handing with someone who is being destructive to your community directly. And that's all I'll say about it. Uh, We got the English tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I am going to rush home from work, uh, maybe see if I can leave five minutes early so I don't miss kickoff uh but i'm excited i really think we have a a chance to take this one england huge rivals of the women's national team uh one of the better teams still left in the field do we know who's on the other side of the bracket so on the other side of the bracket we have netherlands and sweden so the battle of scandinavia uh should should be interesting i'd love to see the United States, obviously the United States pull it up, but uh, to, to go against Sweden and uh, kind of get... What is du- the Netherlands? Holland. Who's the Dutch? Yeah. it's What's it, Holland? Who's the Netherlands? Who are sh- the Dutch? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's confusing. It is a little confusing. It's where they keep all the weed in Europe. And who are the Dutch? That's <laughs> uh, Seinfeld's get from back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess... Um, a little before my time. A little bit. All right. That's probably going to do it. I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. It would be really good to to bring some gold back home. Build a statue of Mega Rapino somewhere with that like arms out superstar. That was such a great pose, man. That's going to be a statue somewhere. You know it is. If they pull this reminds off, me of LeBron James. That was deeply hurtful. <laughs> I'll do a statue of Alex Morgan. <laughs> yeah, keep your fucked all fantasies to yourself, buddy. Jesus. All right, well, that's going to do it uh, for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, guys, 
We just reached 503 downloads, listens. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Um, so thanks again for listening. Uh, if you want to yell at Johnny, you can do that at Green Mountain Grinder on Twitter, Green MT Grinder on Twitter. You can hit the Instagram at Green Mountain Sports. You can hit the Facebook at Green Mountain Sports. Please like, share, comment, whatever. If you want to tell us your most hated Boston athlete of all time, if Kyrie now tops the list, or if it's uh, if it's somebody else for you, maybe it's uh, I heard Roger Clemens. I saw Roger Clemens in some places today, but I, Johnny I, Damon. I defend Roger Clemens, Johnny Damon. You know, uh, there's definitely some some names out there. Um, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth goes back a ways, but uh, <laughs> Kyrie Irving is definitely taking the cake for me these days. That, that guy. Did you hear the Rage Against the Machine song the other day? Oh, yeah. That was great. Kyrie, you've ruined the Celtics. That's good <laughs> stuff. Anyway, so yeah, if you want to tell us your most hated. Boston athlete of all time. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day.